Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. I'm super excited to be here today. I can see from all your faces you're super excited I'm here too. Okay, we're just getting that out of the way right up front. So about two months ago or so, Pastor Chris sent me a text and he said, would you like to come back and preach in March? And I'm like, sure, I would love to. That would be great. Well, then about a month later, he calls me and and we were talking about today specifically. And he said, well, okay, so Pastor Kathy, um, I'm starting a new sermon series. It's out of this book um, that's called A in Beautiful Life. And he said, as the series goes, that week will be the sermon on lust. Do you want to take it or do you want to do something else? <laughs> he gave me an option. Bless you, Pastor Chris. I know you're watching. Everyone say hello. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, I told Chris, I said, well, the thing is, Pastor Chris, half of these people know me, so I can't lie. (laughs) Right? So we may as well just get that out in the open. Let's get that over with. I'm not going to lie to you. So I'm going to start with the story. I want to tell you this story. There was this little girl. She was visiting her grandmother for a few days. And the little girl asked her grandmother, she said, Grandma, how old are you? And Grandma said, sweetheart, women, you know, we, we don't like to talk about our age. Actually, grown-ups don't like to talk about their age at all, so it's not polite to ask. Don't, don't ask. So the little girl, the next day, she gets up and she says, okay, Grandma, how much do you weigh? <laughs> Grandma said, darling, huh? we don't talk about how much we weigh. We don't like to share that information. So that's just not polite, okay? So the next morning, the little girl gets up. She was so excited. She said, Grandma, I figured it out. I know how old you are, and I know how much you weigh. You're 62 years old, and you weigh 140 pounds. And Grandma said, sweetheart, how did you know that? And she said, you left your driver's license out. And she said, but I also learned something else. I also saw on your driver's license that you got an F in sex. (laughs) Okay, that brings us to today, okay? I have never had one of my sermons rated R before, but April may have been right in telling the children to leave because this is a tough subject, isn't it? Is it? Would you want to tackle it? Do you want to go to coffee with a friend and talk about lust? Oh, come on, be a sport, right? So I started thinking about stories that would illustrate the harm in lust. I started thinking about them. 
as April said, or as many of you know, I, I grew up in this church as a youth. Then, so I got a spiritual foundation, but then I didn't come to church very often. I could think of a lot of stories during that time frame that I could share. But then I came back. And I think maybe that's where a lot of us are and where I want us to focus this message today. So I started thinking about stories that would illustrate the damage of lust. So I have a very personal story I want to share, but it may be one that you've heard often. And that's because it's in 2 Samuel 2. In 2 Samuel, we hear about King David. So I want to read you just a couple of verses here, and then we're going to get to Matthew in a minute. But 2 Samuel 2, chapter 11, it says, In the spring of the year, the time when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. Problem number one. Note that right there. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and was walking about on the roof of the king's house that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. David sent someone to inquire about this woman. It was reported, this is Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he lay with her. Then she returned to her house. The woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. One message I want you to walk away with today from this sermon is something that the author of this book, The Good and Beautiful Life, said that I found so profound if you struggle with what is lust. And he said, love looks people in the eye and lust looks below the eyes. Okay, does that feel good to you? That when we love somebody, when we want to get to know somebody, when we're on the same level with them, we look them in the face and we carry on a conversation. But when we're lusting after someone, change the word to covet. We want something that's not ours. We don't look in the eyes. Jesus tells us that in another way. In our scripture today in Matthew, Matthew 5, 27, when Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your, your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Lovely story, isn't it? <clears throat> so what is lust? What, what is lust? In your opinion, what is lust? Think about it for just a minute. How do you know 
male or female, when you've crossed the line? How do you know? My heart tells me many of us were raised to live in fear of this scripture, to be afraid that we have lusted after someone. But here's the thing about everything Jesus says to us, friends, and that is not about our judgment later on, but about how we live today. How do we live today? in a world that is filled with images and um, stories that cause us to want more than what we have in every way. It's not always sexual. Lust is the same as covenant. We want something that's not ours to have. The author of the book says in this chapter on lust, he said that he and his brother were walking down a beach having a nice conversation, and a lady in a bikini walks toward them and walks right on past. And the two brothers look at each other and go, whoa, she was pretty, and kept right on going. And he asked the question in the book, did we lust? And his response is, I don't think so, he said. He said, that if we had turned around and gone after her, that it's the second look that gets us. It's the beginning to focus on something that we want for all the wrong reasons. God created us the way we are. Men and women, two people of all sorts who want to be loved and to be seen and to be known. God tells us in every word in Scripture that he wants us to live a holy and clean life. We have friends that live in the Netherlands, and often they would tell us, they were a middle-aged couple now with teenagers that have grown up, but when we would go visit them, there was a church across the street, and, and I would ask them, do you guys never go to church? Do you ever? And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Church is for people who are looking over the geraniums. And I'm like, what what does that mean? And they said, well, if all that it matters how we live and whether we go to church is whether we go to heaven or not, then we all just wait until, you know, before we're ready to die. They call people looking over the geraniums, someone who's older, who sits at home and looks out over the planter box watching the world, that's when they would go to church because it has nothing to do with how we live. How many of you were brought up with that mindset that the way we live just affects our future when we stand before the seat of God, the judgment seat? But that's not what... That's not what Jesus teaches us at all. He teaches us that how we live today. The kingdom of God is near. It is here. It is with us. It is in us. When we put God in our head, we don't have to have a helmet to do it. When we put God in our head, God goes into our heart, and it changes how we respond to people when we can look at someone as a worthy 
person, a child of God, there won't be lust. When we can look at someone and want the best for them. <clears throat> there was a survey done by Liverpool University, and they um, surveyed 1,050 pop stars. And they found out that the way these people live, these that they studied, causes them to die young. They listed people like Elvis Presley and Kurt Cobain and ones that have um, pursued the lusts of their life. So like David, David, by his lust over someone, he committed four, no, six of the Ten Commandments. That's not what God desires for us. And that's the message of this today. God wants us to live as children of God today and to love others as if they're a child of God. When you look at them, do you look in their eyes? Women are just as bad. Don't think we're not. George Clooney? Come on, anybody. Okay. Maybe I'm just getting old. <clears throat> but here's the thing, too. I kept thinking about all week as I was um, working on this message, I kept thinking about how would I feel if I were sitting in the pew and someone was bringing this message and I'm in the midst of doing something that I know is not right? How would I feel? How would I feel if I'm in the uh, middle of an adulter adulterous relationship? How would I receive this message? And here's the word of hope I have for all of us. God's grace is greater than all of our shortcomings. There's nothing we can do that God won't redeem. Thank the Lord I can tell you that because I think I've done it all. And we get that in Scripture too. It's not just a, a promise that Pastor Kathy's making. It's a promise that's in Scripture. You are loved and nothing you do can separate you, which is why I want to share with you as an end to this, Psalm 51 that David wrote Psalm 51 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. These are words that are available to each of us. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner when my mother conceived me. You desire truth in the inward being. And that's where we are today. Truth in our inward being. Therefore, teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssops and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Okay, so the church wants us to hear. The church wants us to hear that we are called to live a pure and clean life. And when we fail, and we will, we have a place to go that redeems us, that loves us, and that dusts us off and sends us in a new direction. So as we go from here today, carry that message. Carry the message that we are called to treat others with the dignity and honor they deserve as a child of God. Just applying that will take care of everything else. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your words. We are all sinners and we all fall short. In your illustration, Jesus, in the scripture of pluck out our eye and cut off our hand is to show us that you want us to take your word seriously, but that what you want from us is honor. Teach us your ways. Deliver us, oh God. And allow us to be new and bright and beautiful in your sight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.